Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today on the podcast, we're going to read from Luke 23. This is uh, the crucifixion account, or rather one of the crucifixion accounts, the one from the Gospel of Luke. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray for my friends and for myself today, Lord, I pray that you would help us on this Good Friday to hear the word of the Lord. And God, I pray that you would, regardless of where we are and what's going on in life, I pray that you would help each and every one of us focus our heart and our attention on the cross today uh, so that Easter morning, just a few days away, would really mean something to us. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So on the day of the recording of this podcast, it's it's Good Friday. And Good Friday is one of the most important days in the Christian calendar, and I hope you are making the most of it, that you are living into the season. I'm just going to walk through this passage and say a few things to us that I think are worthy of our consideration. First, this crucifixion event takes place at Golgotha, which is called the Place of the Skull. It's a hill located outside Jerusalem that emerged from a bit of level ground that gave it the appearance of a skull coming out of a flat ground, and that's the scene of Jesus's crucifixion. And the text simply states that upon arrival at Golgotha, the Place of the Skull, they crucify Jesus together with two criminals on either side of him. The beam of wood that Jesus had been carrying up until this point was now nailed to his upper body and the beam attached to a vertical pole and was dropped into a hole so that it would stand upright. Jesus, or any criminal dying this way, would have been unable to support himself and therefore unable to breathe. And that's typically the way that you would die in crucifixion is through asphyxiation. What a horrible, uh, horrifying way to die. And while dying... We are told in this passage that Jesus prays for his persecutors. While suffering, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Certainly those that killed Jesus did, in fact, know that they were killing him. So there's a larger implication, and that larger implication is lost on them. Jesus asked that his executors be forgiven because they were acting out of a form of ignorance. Actually, some... Ancient manuscripts omit, for they do not know what they are doing. And this only raises the bar that Jesus would have even under some scenario just spoken forgiveness over people, even when they were doing something horrific. 
And one of the things that I'm struck by, specifically on this Good Friday, is the lack of vindictive nature coming from Jesus. How often do I behave vindictively when I feel wronged? I bet you struggle with the same temptation, and yet here we see Jesus, our model, laying a foundation for forgiveness, for offering God's gift of forgiveness even to those who would injure and wound him. But his compassion and forgiveness reminds us that ignorance does not remove culpability. See, his accusers on Good Friday, they needed mercy. We His accusers today, those who sin and fall short of God's plan for our life, we need mercy and forgiveness. And it's one of the things I think we're meant to think about and reflect upon on this Good Friday is our need for God's forgiveness. Just recently at at Trinity, the church where I serve as pastor, we were teaching on a Sunday through the book of Exodus, and we were thinking about specifically the Passover in Exodus 12, where the Jews were told to sacrifice a lamb and to paint the lamb's blood over the lintel, the doorpost of their house, and to stay inside the night that the destroyer, uh, the angel of death, would go through and take the firstborn of all of Egypt. And I was thinking about that image of the Jews engaging in animal sacrifice, um, which I think was reminiscent of the very earliest pages in our Bible, where when the first humans sinned and made clothing for themselves, clothing out of fig leaves, the, the fig leaves would, would break and, and their shame, their vulnerability, their nakedness was, would show. And so what did God do? He killed an animal. The, the first known animal killed in the text of the Bible, I, I would venture a guess, was a lamb. And he killed that animal and made permanent clothing out of the skins of an animal to cover human shame. And here we see on Good Friday, God doing that very thing permanently, once and for all. It takes a life to create permanent clothes to cover human shame. And that's what Jesus did at the cross. I would argue that Genesis and all of the animal sacrifice system of ritual through Moses was pointing to Jesus that it costs God his own life in order to cover you and me. And that's what's happening on Good Friday. That's why we call it good. The horror that Jesus endured was not just a senseless act of violence. I would argue it wasn't senseless at all. It was the foreordained plan of God to take the darkest, most heinous act of the enemy, an attempt to kill goodness and God, and to turn it on its head. And that Jesus, in a way that you and me, we will never fully comprehend, has created a kind of permanent covering for human shame so that we could come out of hiding both from God and hiding from one another, just like that first family in Genesis was invited to do. So Jesus dies for our sins. But when you look at this passage, there are really diverse reactions to the crucifixion. And I find myself in some of these examples. So number one, some cast lots for Jesus' clothing. They were not really interested in Jesus' crucifixion. They did not think that Jesus meant anything. They just wanted to get their hands on a seamless, valuable piece of clothing. They wanted to capitalize financially. They were opportunistic people. They were greedy at the cross. Others stood by, we're told, just curious, kind of onlookers. They were like the people who would rubberneck at a car accident. They didn't really care. They just thought, oh, there's like a crucifixion happening. Let's go check it out. And then others, we're told in this passage, scoff at Jesus. There are actually three taunts directed at Jesus. The first, religious people taunt him. They say he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Messiah of God, his chosen one. And they basically mock Jesus. 
the religious leader is looking at Jesus and saying, a savior doesn't hang on a cross. This person cannot be a savior. This person's an idiot. They're a fool. The second taunt comes from the soldiers. These soldiers, these men who, who majored in brutality, they said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. They were uninterested in Jesus. They saw him as weak. They saw him as defeated. And they said, you're going to lose. So just go ahead and lose. Most surprising, I think, is the fact that the mocking on the day of the crucifixion was not simply limited to free people, to the religious and to the Roman soldiers. But we see that one of the two thieves crucified with Jesus also mocks him. And I believe that this is the most painful one. A dying man mocks Jesus and throws in a cynical request to be saved as a final jab. And the irony here is great. All present seem to mock Jesus' ability to save And this thief needs saving. But the other thief sees the light. And I find myself, or at least I hope to identify with the other thief, the one who says, we deserve what we're getting, and then asks Jesus for mercy. I believe that if you can find a place in the Good Friday narrative, if you would identify with any character in the Good Friday narrative, I think we should identify or seek to identify with the the thief who says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. I don't know that Good Friday means much to us if we don't have an awareness of our need for mercy. I think if we feel like we're justified or that we're strong or that we can solve our own problems, then Good Friday becomes something that we can look at at arm's length. And yet if we identify with that thief on the cross, the one who knows he's getting what he deserves and yet needs the mercy of God, I think we'll find what we need on Good Friday and maybe be able to really call it good. Jesus looks at this man and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that was only said after the man looked at Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This guy seemed to know something about Jesus. He seemed to understand something about what Jesus could offer, and he asked to be included in what Jesus is doing. And I would just say to you, even if you're not in a very good place, if you maybe have been walking down some long and windy paths, some some tough spaces, I believe that Jesus wants you to say to him, please, Jesus, include me in what you're doing. Maybe on this Good Friday, that's the best prayer that you can pray. Father, I pray for my friends. And I ask God that as we move closer and closer to Easter, that you would give us the grace to sit in these dark places. And Lord, we ask for the grace to identify with the thief on the cross, the one who says, include me in what you're doing. Lord, I pray that our sin would not be seen by us as a disqualifier, but Lord, that we would look at our sin, our brokenness, and then we would look at you and we would say, but yet you include us, you redeem us, you forgive us, you invite us to be with you. May it be so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you felt moved or inspired by something in this podcast, an idea, an image, or an impression, Carry it with you into your day as a prayer, coming back to it again and again in the spaces throughout your day. Be curious about what God wants to show you. What in your life needs to hear this word of encouragement, inspiration, or course correction? And be courageous in your response. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to carry out whatever He places on your heart. 
And thank you for being with us today. We look forward to having you with us again next time here at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.